All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are here to break down Week 16 game by game on the main slate. We've got a Saturday slate. Interesting. I, I like the Saturday. Thoughts on Saturday football? I, th- I, th- I like it. And then the slate itself doesn't look that great. But um, like from a DFS perspective. Oh, I was going to say, they put all the good games on Saturday. So I don't know. Oh, the good games. I guess like for DFS, like whatever <laughs> like the 49ers start showing up in the things, I'm like, ah, no thanks. I, they're fine, fun team to watch. But from a DFS. Oh, just because their defense is too. Well, it's just, well, it's just like, also like, you just don't know who the running back is. I don't know. There's just, there are opportunities all over the place. I was just kind of looking at the teams sort of in that perspective. Um, I like that the idea that it's on and i think that i mean buffalo is another one it's like well they're going against new england i don't know the games the games themselves i think are really good it's the dfs angles that i don't find that's true they did put a lot of the good defenses on that slate which opens it up a little bit for us exactly so i know but then you get tampa bay and just try to figure out if it's like you know how many targets is justin watson gonna get have fun anyway um although never mind we're doing that because we're projecting that and you can sign up for our projection service at dfsr.com slash deals but uh so we'll have fun doing that. You can just have fun playing the recommendations. We're going to go through the game-by-game game breakdown for Week 16. A lot of interesting storylines here. There are some games with definite playoff implications. There's some records on the line, uh, which, which is going to be cool. There, um, If you want uh, the cash game plays, you can head back on over to our cash game podcast, which came out yesterday, where we break down position by position. I'll mention those guys who we kind of talked about uh, from a fantasy perspective or from a cash game perspective as we roll through these games. But we did go into more depth uh, on those guys, so we probably won't do it here. How do you like the way this slate's shaking out here from Week 16? Um, do you think we have enough clarity around motivations for these teams? We kind of briefly touched on this yet on the cash game podcast, but just from a high level, would you say Week 16? Like, do you feel comfortable... It, it, mostly because it's like late in the season, and in some sports, late in the season can get real dicey on... Yeah. You know who is who's playing and how much does everyone care and stuff like that. Um, do you feel like you have enough clarity around this around, like sort of the slate as a whole to feel comfortable about about just week sixteen in general? Yeah, I mean we still have a lot of teams playing for some pretty material things, and that can actually be somewhat unusual this late in the season. But uh, in the AFC, um, well, how, how do I count all these guys? Yeah, I guess it's only like seven teams so maybe that's not that many uh but the nfc is is quite a bit more wide open with some divisional interest with philly um the bottom of the playoffs isn't quite yet decided so i think we'll see plenty of teams putting their best foot forward and a lot of you know a lot of the very bad teams are sort of irrelevant anyway for dfs on a week-to-week basis or they've been out of it for so long that you know we're actively been trying to lose that i still think we have a reasonable guess as to how they're trying to approach things right now. Well, let's start with one of those games because it's Cincinnati going in and playing Miami. <laughs> this is this is, these are two teams that have been circling the drain all season, but <laughs> they but they have fantasy relevant guys, um, and and they're also sort of in this weird fight for the number one pick. It seems like the Bengals kind of have this wrapped up, but if they win here, it becomes a real question um, because because Miami I think plays New England week sixteen or week seventeen, so you got to count that as a loss. So it feels like. If you're, if you're in the hunt for the number one pick, if you're the Bengals, you do want to kind of tank this game. And they've also been pretty feisty over the last couple of weeks. They kind of, I wouldn't say they hung with New England, but they at least, I guess they, had, they hung. Oh, they, they were also supercharged, like, emotionally when they took the lead on New England there. Um, or maybe it was when they tied the game. I can't remember if it was 10-7 or 10-10. But we were watching that together, and those guys were jumping off yeah, the Yeah, that bench, was their Super Bowl. cheering. Yeah. They were going absolutely bananas. So, so I don't think like the players are trying to lose anyway. So we talked about Andy Dalton as a cash game play, viable cash game play on DraftKings uh, for the cash game podcast. We also talked at length about Joe Mixon um, and his opportunity and just how it's just been just completely bananas for a losing team. So I, you know, if you want the thoughts there, head back over to that. Let's talk about any other guys here on Cincinnati or the Miami side. You know, Patrick Laird's a guy that we've kind of wanted to talk ourselves into at times. He just simple another week of just not being able to get anything done on the ground. Devontae Parker's a guy we talked about in cash. We played in cash before. Fitzpatrick has just had his games. These are two bad teams, but it does feel like there's some fantasy relevance um, for two teams that are again trying probably would love the front offices would love for them to lose. Yeah, and it looks like AJ Green's going to finally be placed on the IR, which. Who knows why that hasn't happened earlier this season. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, people have liked Tyler Boyd at times. I think the Bengals passing attack in general is not one of these, obviously, passing attacks that you can just run out there regardless. But we've seen Boyd be effective 
in better matchups, and just because he disappeared against New England isn't exactly an indictment against him. So I think I could see people wanting to go there. Um, yeah, I mean, these are two bad teams, but it's not like just because you're a bad team doesn't mean you are totally devoid of fantasy value. And Actually, in fact, if your team is often playing from behind, that can actually build in some more safety for your wide receivers. So, you know, Devontae Parker or Tyler Boyd, uh, both of those could be considerations there. Um, Parker has was limited in practice this week with a hip thing. Given that they just extended him, I'm not sure how aggressive they'll be throwing him out there for the rest of the season, but uh, it's a 1 o'clock game, so you should have a pretty good idea before kickoff. Yeah, so they're bad teams, but they're also bad defenses, and this is why it becomes... Yeah. This is why we want to talk about it, because... You know, while you know when you face each other, these are two teams that are among the worst, about the worst. I mean, Miami's like almost historically bad on defense, and then Cincinnati, if it was another season, would be probably you know the second or or, or worst defense in the league. But they just have, you know they're competing with Miami here, where <laughs> Miami's just so so bad. So anyway, I think there is some stuff to get excited about here. I could I, I'm not worried about the Parker opportunity, the extension thing with football. You know, you can get your bag and then maybe just kind of pack it in. I'm, I'm not claiming that that's what. Parker's going to do but I think from a you know them using him that just doesn't seem to be what often what football teams do like if you if you play in the football team you you play right like unless you're just fully mm-hmm. sitting out you know we'll talk about Josh Jacobs and stuff like that later or uh, later on but um if you're playing my guess is that you're getting full snaps so I, I actually don't mind going back to Parker here from a cash game perspective uh even though the, the the usage last week was kind of like a little bit lower he was third on the team in targets after Wilson and Gaiseki so um, I'm not doing the running back thing again, so prepare everyone prepare yourselves for a huge Patrick Laird week after playing him multiple weeks. I'm not going to go back to that well this week, so this is the week I'm almost positive he just goes completely off, and that's just a karma thing. Uh, after those guys, I don't really see much else here on, on Miami, and like you mentioned, Tyler Boyd. I think that that's probably the only receiver I would really consider from Cincinnati, and I do want to have exposure to this game. I wish our projection on Mixon was a little bit higher, uh, that's just not totally getting there right now. It's probably on the back of, you know, a full season's worth of pretty low yards per carry at times, but that's mostly just because they gave him the ball so many times. It's hard to maintain really high yards per carry when they're giving you the ball like 30 times a game. New Orleans goes in and plays Tennessee, a game that is that means a lot for both these teams. It has, I think, the highest over-under of the week. Yeah, 50 and a half is uh, it's tied with Arizona and Seattle as the highest over-under on the slate. Thin spread, two-and-a-half-point uh, favorites for New Orleans on the road. We did talk about Michael Thomas at length also yesterday in terms of the historic piece of his season. He's very close to breaking the all-time uh, single-season receptions record. There's an outside chance he just breaks it this week, so go back and listen to that. I think he's pretty close. He's not a lock in cash games, but he's really darn close. And on DraftKings, I mean, DraftKings, he's looking close to a lock just because you just it feels like you just lock in so many targets. But let's talk about Alvin Kamara. Right now, Alvin Kamara is showing up in 100% of FanDuel lineups for us. Let me just double-check DraftKings. Not on DraftKings, but on FanDuel, he's showing up at 7,200. And I get why. And I also don't want to do it. And I just, like, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, I, I just don't know. I, I get what our system's seeing. The targets are there. The carries are sort of there. The touchdowns aren't there at all. Give me your thoughts here on Kamara, because I feel like this is a guy we're going to talk about leading in uh, to Week 16. Well, I think we are pretty confident what we're getting in Kamara right now, which is between 17 and 20 touches. Um, the receptions have been pretty low impact this year. Uh, you know, in the last five weeks, yeah, he's averaging fewer than five yards a reception. And that's just not that much, right? So that's like a, essentially a slightly better carry. And if there's a running back at 7,200 who's going to get the ball, like, like if Derrick Henry were going to get the ball, exactly 18 times like that wouldn't be that exciting right I mean and I think that's where kind of Kamara lands right now I think he's a better player on DraftKings because we know that the targets can be obscene from time to time but they really haven't been recently so I guess the question you're asking yourself is is Kamara cheap relative to who he actually is or is he cheap for a reason and I look so far especially if you think the touchdown thing is legit uh, more fumbles than touchdowns this season for Kamara then I think you have to take the low price pretty seriously and just say, okay, you know, he's probably a relatively high floor guy on this price, but maybe the days of him going off for, you know, 30 plus fantasy points with regularity are just behind us. I mean, so this season, two games with 20 or more fantasy points. Like, I, <laughs> what are we hoping for out of Kamara at this point, I guess is my question. 
Yeah, he's the 12th most expensive running back on FanDuel. Um, it's just crazy. I, they, and I think that's really where it is. I, I'm, I'm, I hear all your points, and I think they're all salient, and they make sense, and I sort of still understand. It might be – maybe our priors on him are, too, are, are incorrect, too, because we still will operate off priors um, at this point in the season. Not to a huge degree, but they're still there. Um, and I think that's mostly correct for football because you really can't – you have to you have to base it in something, and there's to some degree 15 games at this or 14 games is almost too small of a sample size, sort of on some guys. It's weird about football. It's like too small for some guys, and you know too you know big enough for some. It's the football is very weird. Yeah, so, so I think you you use football you use sample size differently in football than you would in other sports because I think many of the stats tend to normalize a little bit more quickly, and the most important stats, of course, are opportunity and what you do when you're given that opportunity and some of that can be schedule based um you know like you could just run either really great in terms of schedule even over the course of 10 games or you can run really bad um i haven't looked into new orleans schedule too closely but just eyeball testing it looking at this briefly i really only see san francisco among those teams that are the very scariest defenses um and kamara he might be the 12th most expensive running back he's 13th on this slate in terms of fantasy points per game. Right. So it's, you know, I think actually using the most recent sample size makes the most sense in football too because one of the things we see year in, year out um, is especially running backs, we see them change in terms of their underlying ability mm-hmm. more quickly than any other position just because there's something so brutal about playing this position that a guy can go from being great to terrible in a blink of an eye. And when you are a week late, or a season late on assuming that a guy is going to be terrible, that's when you can really take a beating. Now, frank, thankfully, most people have taken this particular beating on Kamara right. this season. Uh, but just go look at David Johnson. I mean, how long did people just sit there being like, David Johnson's going to turn it around. David Johnson's still great. And then he just never was. And everyone who played him lost automatically exactly for that reason. So, um, And last, it is kind of funny because last season, Kamara's yards per attempt on the ground were the same. Uh, the yards through the air were significantly better. And I, I just don't know what we make of these touchdowns. Last year, 18 touchdowns, including 14 rushing touchdowns. This year, two touchdowns. Yeah, I will say that, like, from a scheme per- I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but from a scheme perspective, it's, it's having watched a decent amount of New Orleans this year, it's not for lack, it's, it, it actually is for lack of opportunity. They're just doing other things in the red zone. Like, there's just not, he's not the plan in the red zone, really. Like, well, when you have a guy you can throw to, he's going to catch 85% of his passes. Like, why not just throw to him instead? They've, and they had, <laughs> they've had Latavius Murray down the close, they, and they also have Taysom Hill that they've used down and close. Like, they just have other guys. And they've just seen, I think they've just said to themselves, this is just not the down and close red zone guy that we need. And he'll be on the field for a ton of snaps. I, look, if, if I'm wrong about this and you've watched more New Orleans than I have or have some data around this, I'm happy to be wrong. I just that's that's an eye test thing uh, for me. And I and it's borne out in like in just the lack of I don't think it's like it's not a thing where it's like, oh, my God, McCaffrey three times stuffed to the one. You're like, come on, like with these touchdowns or something right. like that. That that does not that has not been my um, understanding or like sort of like what I've seen from New Orleans this year with Kamara. Just like. That's just not the plan down and close. And they have these other guys. So, yeah, I think the touchdown thing is real. Um, and I think that if we were using, you know, I was just actually while you were talking, looking up some of our percentages on his touchdowns, and there's some chance that those haven't been, re- there hasn't been enough downward guidance on the fact that there's the opportunity just isn't there. Tennessee, Derrick Henry did sit out practice yesterday, uh, or excuse me, on Wednesday. I'm not really worried about his um, ability to play this week, though I'm sure you're wanting to, chomping at the bit to play Deion Lewis in your fantasy, um, in the fantasy finals of the DFSR league that you're in. Um, you know, not having Derrick Henry, but having Deion Lewis. We did talk about A.J. Brown as a cash game play uh, for this week at 7,200 on FanDuel. Uh, it's a little steep, and it's not 100% to me, but uh, if you want our opinions there. Any other thoughts here on Tennessee before we move on? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's the worst possible matchup for A.J. Brown, and he's at an all-time high price. So, you know, I'll, I'll take my lumps for being a week late on him. Like last week, he obviously was a correct play, especially with Humphreys being out. Um, but going into this week, I am less bullish on him. Yeah, okay. So um, I think that's pretty much all the thoughts here, and I think you're going to see definitely some ownership around this game just based on the total, and rightfully so. And, and like I said, go back and listen to our Michael Thomas thoughts from yesterday. Giants go in and play Washington, 1 o'clock game, 41 over under for this one with Washington, a two-point home favorite. 
Uh, okay, let's start on the Giants side. A lot of people played Saquon Barkley last week correctly. Um, that was a guy that we kind of discussed right near the end and sort of got away from it, um, sort of like at the last second, much to our chagrin. Thoughts about going back to Barkley this week against Washington defense that's been decent. And then we got Eli Manning. The, um, but Daniel Jones practice. I'm actually not sure what the status is here for Jones um, and Eli. I'll look this up as we talk. But I, there's some speculation maybe that Jones plays. I'll look this up. Uh, give me your thoughts here on the Giants, and then we can move it over to the Redskins, who are – Adrian Peterson was a guy that's kind of was creeping around based on opportunity um, as well. Giants defense has been really bad. I think I feel, feel like there are some, some like weird fantasy viable guys in this game. Yeah, I thought I was going to be able to surprise you with an Adrian Peterson recommendation here in a second. But, uh, yeah, I actually sort of like Peterson. Uh, you know, when it comes to these really bad teams, one of the things that we don't often get to see – is them playing in an actual fair matchup right. <laughs> where they don't rate to get blown out. Like, you know, the Wizards played the Bulls the other night, and the case was similar in that game where it's like, okay, hey, these are two terrible teams, but they're not likely to blow each other out. And I sort of feel that way about this game too. I think both running games are very viable for that reason. We talked about Barkley at length yesterday, so we probably don't need to belabor that. But I do think he's a very good play going up against this Redskins defense. Surprisingly feisty Redskins defense, who I don't mind, by the way, for cash games as well. Um, but not enough to scare me off of skill position players going the other way. They're more of a, of a big play-oriented defense, you know, generating interceptions, fumbles, and sacks rather than holding their opponents to low totals. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's some playable options here. Um, I would say the one guy I think is like sort of fool's gold based on one incredible catch last week was Terry McLaurin. Uh, two weeks, he scored a touchdown. It's been pretty interesting on these prices, but... Just 12 targets spread across those two weeks, and I think you can probably do better at a $6,500 price point. Yeah, Daniel Jones is expected to play this week. Um, he did ret- return to the practice and expected to be under center, so no more Eli Manning. Um, it's weird to you know sort of have to reconfigure the target share with Jones and um, because he, well, they're both bad quarterbacks, and they do have Sterling. Sterling Shepard had 11 targets last week. They have Golden Tate, who caught a touchdown um, in with he had four only four targets, but one of them was a 51-yard touchdown that he really was showboating, like he forgot he was on the Giants at the. <laughs> oh God, that was so fun. God bless football players for just kind of like I guess to be a football player, you just have to kind of forget this stuff, or else you just wouldn't be able to go out and compete on a week-to-week basis. The other guys, I'm, I am a little bit interested on your your take on these Washington wide receivers outside of McLaurin. Like, Steve Sims got 11 targets last week. He had absolutely unbelievably difficult um, conversion issues, which is I feel like is going to often be the case with uh, Haskins on our center, um, although McLaurin was able to convert five for his five. Um, but when you see a guy like this, he's very cheap, 11 targets, did almost nothing with them relative to the amount of opportunity, five for 45, but he did catch a touchdown. Is he a guy, like, is he, is he like, a, would you consider him a cheap option this week, or was that just sort of like this one-game sample size? We haven't seen a ton from Sims. I think a couple games, but, like, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he had seven the previous game. I think there's a case to be made for playing him. Um, it's the type of play, it's, it's not a reason to show up and play the slate. It's the way I would put it. It's the kind of play that you can talk yourself into if he's the one that makes the rest of your great plays work. That's kind of where he ranks for me. So playable, not exciting. 4,000 on DraftKings. I think that's, I mean, that's where I'm more, Yeah, that could push him over I'm the mostly top. talking about there. There are a couple of cheap wide receivers, um, and I think that he's under consideration. Giants secondary is uh, just a really bad one. Well, yeah, let's sure. talk real quick uh, about Vivid Seats. If you're buying and selling tickets this season that we've talked about this bunch, if you want to go to a football game, this is the time of year, buddy. If, you, if you're a fan of a bad team, and you want a Sunday out, especially around the holidays. No one's going to these games with these bad teams. You can get you get really cheap tickets for some of these uh, for these games on Sunday. Head on over to the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code Overtime O V E R T I M E. It's going to give you up to hundred dollars back on your first ticket purchase. Also going to automatically enroll you into the rewards program, which just gives you uh, incentives the more you use the app. Not just for sports either. T- concerts, tickets, it's all there. Incredible seating app. Shows you exactly where you're going to be sitting. Highlights the good deals and bad deals. Use the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code OVERTIME. If you're going anywhere that involves ticket buying this season, go check them out. Our other sponsor is CBS Sports HQ. Really the best app for digesting sports uh, content because it gives you... Well, first of all, this app's totally free. So you don't need to sign up for anything. No username, password, credit card, none of that stuff. It's totally free. You, log, you, you download the CBS Sports HQ app, and it's going to give you sort of an a la carte content experience. You can break it down by games. 
You can check out game previews, game wrap-ups, highlights, betting previews. It's all there on CBS Sports HQ. It's just really about the best app for kind of checking out sports content at this point. It's really the only thing I use when I want to uh, just do a quick look up on a game or if I want to just watch uh, the specific highlights of a game. And again, it's totally free, no downside risk. Uh, Go check out the CBS Sports HQ app. Download it once, and you'll be kind of hooked. We love it, and you'll love it too. All right, Pittsburgh goes in and plays the Jets. 37 over under on this game. Yeah, barn <laughs> Yeah, that's a one way to put it. Uh, the Steelers are three-and-a-half-point road favorites here against the Jets. Uh, I, believe, I don't think the Steelers have locked in the playoffs right now, but they are on their way to making the playoffs. They're 8-6, and are tied with Tennessee. I haven't looked at all the uh, different scenarios, but it looks like they're going to make the playoffs right now. I just it's don't, not a sure thing, but yes, they're in pole position right Jets, now. Jets, uh, not at 5-9, not uh, <laughs> not going to be making the playoffs here. Though I guess there are some fantasy viable guys. That being said, Pittsburgh, for all their weirdness around this season, around their offense, the defense has been very good. That's actually basically what's kept them in it, uh, kept them in yeah, the season. Uh, they've only allowed 259 points this season, which is one of the best in the NFL. Uh, is there anything here? I, I don't see anything on the Pittsburgh side. They're just the quarterback stinks. The running back situation has been just one big injury mess, and then guys come back, and the offense still seems so bad. And then the Jets, I just don't know if I want to run them into what it is, what amounts to a very good defense. Yeah, so I think the only guy you could consider is probably James Washington, and he's still only a big tournament play. Uh, he does seem to have some kind of synergy with Hodges. Uh, his conversion rate was super high for multiple weeks leading into last week. He saw 11 targets against Buffalo. And, of course, only converted those into five receptions. So I don't think he's a ca- interesting guy from a cash game perspective. But for big tournaments, I could see it. Uh, Deontay Johnson's been getting some targets, but only on a, you know, again, like a pure punt in a big tournament, you know, looking for that guy from 1% ownership <laughs> sort of category. Uh, Jameson Crowder, though, uh, this guy, we've seen him be very DFS viable in the past. He's only 6,000. In the last three weeks, he goes 11 targets, 7 targets, 9 targets, Granted, in two of those weeks, he had two catches on nine targets and three catches on seven targets. But if he were, like, just apples to apples between him and, say, Steve Sims, uh, who would you prefer between those two? I mean, granted, Crowder, much tougher matchup this week, but also probably a more proven track record. Probably Crowder for the track record. Um, And I guess I just trust Darnold more than I do Haskins. And that being said, (laughs) you have to – it's just crazy to even talk about this. But um, (laughs) – Yeah, that being said, I, there is a matchup concern here that makes me, oh man, this one's close. I don't know. It's not a decision I really want to be making. Definitely not. From no, I agree with you. And Robbie Anderson kind of in the same boat for me. I think he and Crowder kind of take from each other a little bit. And oftentimes the guy who gets the most targets is the one that the other team didn't prioritize. So uh, Crowder notably saw much more targets than Anderson did last week, but it had been the exact opposite in the prior week. So yeah, you probably don't need to mess with this for I think I think it was mostly that it's just when I'm looking down the slate of games and schedules, I there's this game I this is the one's the, like one of the easiest games ever to skip. I, like just into, like the, the, the overall So why don't we move on then? Yeah, there we go. Let's go. Time. I think we've uh, answered the question. Jacksonville goes in and plays Atlanta. Jacksonville, uh, what a season. I, based on the, the Nick Foles signing looks bad and then they fired Tom Coughlin because his the culture I I, I got to read the exact quote, but it was something like the, he had so many rules violations around the contracts about the, the not the contracts around the um, the players association agreement with the NFL that the Jacksonville had to fire him because the NFLPA just came out and said, um, hey other hey other free agents that we're looking at the best interest for don't sign with Jacksonville like you're just going to get into a, even more of abusive relationship than NFL probably already <laughs> has in place with their players. Uh, so anyway, I'm mostly using it to. It's, a, it's just kind of like a, a way to basically sum up the Jacksonville season, uh, it seems like. And now we get Atlanta going in. Excuse me, they're going into Atlanta as seven-point underdogs. Uh, Atlanta, I mean, can you just stack Devontae Freeman and Julio Jones in cash this week? Julio Jones had 20 targets last week. Devontae Freeman was on the field for 55 of the 72 snaps. Uh, I think 70. It's definitely 55 snaps. Let me just look at what the actual number was. Um, total. It, mostly being that, like, in the past, we've really worried about the running back situation in Atlanta in terms of opportunity, and I'm not really, yeah, 55 of the 67 snaps, that's running back one sort of opportunity. Bad team, but is this just like an Atlanta stack this week? It feels like they check every box from an opportunity standpoint. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think both of those guys are credible plays. Um, I don't ever know what to make of Julio Jones because we've seen him have weeks like this and then tread right back into obscurity well not he'll never be totally obscure but like you know those like six catches on yep. seven target games 
Uh, it's worth noting he had his 12-target game. Second most targets this season, 12 targets, 10 catches against Seattle. The following game, he had nine targets, turned him into three catches against New Orleans. So I don't think it's like a sure thing that he's just going to step right in and be a, a high-teens target guy going forward. And he's pretty cheap when you compare him to the other guys that he was priced similarly to early in the season. This guy was the target leader in the NFL last season, so I can certainly see why people would be pumped about running him out there. Uh, I just don't want to... I don't want to overstate the case for him, I suppose. So, yeah, he's totally cash game viable and ultimately a good play, but um, it's not without question marks for me. And then Freeman, Jacksonville is second worst in the NFL this season in terms of non-adjusted rushing DVOA which is to say they did terrible against the run. So I think Freeman actually, you know, a lot more interesting than perhaps I even gave him credit for in the cash game article. I think I tacked him on there as an also ran. I think given that he played all those snaps against San Francisco, the game script was totally against them. I think we could see a pretty, pretty nice game here out of him. Yeah, I think I think what it comes down to for me is Atlanta, for all their struggles at the beginning of the year, and it really kind of just took them out of um, – Really, I think people had high, you know, people definitely had high hopes of what was going to happen with Atlanta this season. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't. It went really, really haywire early. Uh, but the, the last few weeks, they just have been a, they beat a decent team. Like I don't really know, you know what I mean? Like they're just the last week against the Niners, they beat the Niners on the road, twenty nine twenty two. That's a massive win. They they beat the Panthers. They should have, uh, and they stayed. They hung with the Saints in a way that people really didn't think they were going to. They just been. They've been playing. I guess that's mostly my point. Like, this has been a team that's been out of it and is still willing to just say, look, Julio Jones is our best player. And by the way, the no Calvin Ridley thing really helps here. That's really the story on Julio Jones. It's like the targets didn't necessarily come totally out of nowhere. It's at Ridley, who had been, you know, arguably their best receiver, at least at worst, or the second best receiver, very good play this season, um, was out of the game. So I think that from that standpoint, Atlanta has said our season's been over for a little while now. And we're still really trying. And I think from that perspective, you're just getting such a great matchup against Jacksonville. They're so bad on defense and they're in turmoil. Like it's like kind of a double, I hate to like put the turmoil thing as it's not going to factor into our system at all from a, um, yeah, but you could picture them feeling done at this point. Right? Oh, like, I mean, this is like, it, like just <laughs> we've like, taken a crack at this thing this season. So, and like, just like everyone's getting fired and just demoralized. We're going to, we don't, we've got to travel to Atlanta. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a nice, not a bad place to go out the night before. I don't know, whatever. There's a lot, there's a lot going on here. And the fact that Vegas sees it this way too, minus seven is really, we've talked about this many times, is really the sweet spot for running back. So, I, I, I feel like I feel, I feel like I feel, I do feel very good about the Freeman. Julio Jones stack that I'm seeing in our cash game lineups right now for FanDuel and based on price and opportunity I think there's just such a high floor in these two plays so uh, uh, Jacksonville side TJ Chark uh, I believe is going to play I there was a case to be made for some of these uh, Jacksonville receivers last week uh, with Chris Conley sort of just luck boxing his way into two touchdowns um, on weird opportunity uh, if Chark is back I've really no interest in anybody um, Leonard Fournette's a guy we wanted to run in at times, but I think we've seen enough to know that opportunity is not all born out of the, well, the opportunity doesn't all come in the same package and Leonard Fournette has a lot of opportunity and just the Jacksonville offense is so bad that I don't think we need to go back there. Is that a fair, fair way to sum up the Jaguars thing? Maybe we could probably move on to this. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. I think uh, I can see why it would be tempting. I think you can make some guesses for big tournaments for cash. Why bother? Okay. Uh, Baltimore goes in and plays Cleveland. Baltimore 10-point road favorites uh, in a game that, look, Cleveland, I, th- I believe Cleveland was their last loss. Uh, they've won 10 in a row. Um, they yeah. did, but they, either way, they, I don't know if it was their last one. Not they got with, dumpster by Cleveland. They got killed. And so, <laughs> I hate to say this is another piece of motivation because Baltimore definitely has something they're playing for here, uh, which is home field throughout the playoffs. They're only a game ahead of New England right now, though they do they own the head-to-head there. So, um yeah. I, I think they're prob- they're definitely in the driver's seat, and I think they can lock it up this week with a win. That is that enough to let? And we talk about Lamar Jackson as maybe just the cash game play. Is there anything else you see on the Baltimore side of things here with the idea that we talked about Lamar Jackson at length yesterday? Yeah, Mark Andrews would be the only guy I would really consider otherwise, but they just spread it around so much that I don't think you can get any of these guys anything like reliable production. Uh, for your cash game purposes. I will say Mark Ingram, you know, he's got that down and close touchdown upside. And with how well Jackson is playing, you know, you're going to have a few of those single-digit fantasy point weeks sprinkled in between the 25 fantasy point weeks. So, again, for cash games, probably not. Cleveland, uh, I mean, 
they want to throw the ball. I, there's been times where we've won. I, well, I also want to throw the ball. It doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> I don't know why I said I, I want to throw the ball. They they have thrown the ball. I, it's just they, I mostly was gonna. I was trying to figure out a nice way to throw in the idea that like our system is kind of seeing something with Odell Beckham, kind of seeing something with the Jarvis Landry here, an opportunity. And I this is not really where I want to be with cash games. No, I mean it's a terrible matchup. They should be trailing, so you could get more opportunity out of the passing game. It was encouraging to see Beckham get those 13 targets last week. If you play these guys in cash, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I think that's pretty much it. Carolina goes in and plays the Colts. Um, okay, so we played Christian McCaffrey in cash last week, and that was mostly correct. Now here's my on DraftKings. Qu- yeah. uh, on DraftKings. Here's my question with Christian McCaffrey. So right now he is. Oh, I have this number right in front of me. Oh man, shoot! I, I clicked off of it. Okay, I, th- I believe I think you told me it was like three hundred and sixty. That's I, I think I think it's three eighty eight, and I'm going to do it while okay. we're while we're talking. Right now he's uh, he's. Almost 400 yards off the all-time pace for or the all-time record for yards from scrimmage in a season. The the number is Chris Johnson with 2,509. Right now, McCaffrey is at 2,121. Do you think? Well, one, they definitely know this. Like Carolina definitely knows this. They have force-fed him the ball, even with the coaching change and all this other stuff. But how motivated do you think this team is to get now that it's in? 388 is a lot, but it's striking distance. Like a big week this week could really put him in the conversation for for the all-time record here. Do you think this is on their mind? Like to the point where we can be very like bullish on a guy who our system is like close on wanting to play anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like how much does it, we talked about the record with Thomas. I'm wondering how much this record sort of could be a thing for when it comes to McCaffrey. Yeah, I'm ready to believe, Doug. I think that it... <laughs> I wish it was like 288 yeah. <laughs> and not 388 because I could see, like, that would be a lot, right? I mean, even McCaffrey, for as good as he is, has, let's see, two games, three games, three games this season where he has topped that pace. You know what he would need, essentially? No, four, ga- four games. Um, oh, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I, yeah, he needs 190 per... 194. Yeah, yes, I was, did, uh, I, I was doing 160, my bad. Yeah, you're right. Three okay, games. jumping in with the, uh, the interrupt, interrupt correction, but <laughs> we'll, we'll continue to move along. Um, and so, like, it doesn't feel realistic to me for that he's going to hit that record. Uh, that being said, like, what, like you said, what we've seen in the last couple weeks is that they might just go ahead and die trying here. Um, and it, uh, unfortunately, also might just wind up being McCaffrey's last good season with an incredible amount of toll that this is probably taking on his body but yeah they're, they're still trying to get while the getting's good and I think the new coaching thing it's played out exactly sort of as we projected which is that they don't care about anything other than trying to snap up a few wins as they close the season and show progress from earlier in the season so yeah I, I believe in McCaffrey I think you know there, there are price considerations obviously you can't just play every $11,000 player on FanDuel and it still just seems fine so. Yeah, I mean, he's going to end up butting up against that 400-touch season, and which is, yeah, I, th- I believe that's the num- that's like the death number for running backs. It's like, it's 300 used to be the death number. but Oh, um, maybe maybe it is 300, and then they've, well, they've, yeah. they've, they're they going to skunk that number <laughs> and just fully lap yeah, it. Because, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to, because, um, now it's a little different because a lot of his are, are receiving targets, and I do, I, I feel like the that number was probably born a little bit more out of, like, you know, the Larry Johnson's up the middle, you know, run right, run left, run up the middle kind of thing, like, and I, my, my, my hunches at the receiving targets from a, just from like you know getting your body brutalized. Yeah, you sort of get dragged down or just run out of bounds into a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, like I, I feel like there there probably is a little bit of a different piece around that number, and still mm-hmm. it's just I, I'm with you that this is just we're butting up close to like the what like you know, you know negligence sort of thing, and it's something to keep an eye on because like I said, a 190 yard week, which would be. Not likely, but he has done it a few times this season. Um, would would put him in that striking distance. We talked about DJ. Yeah, Moore. I think if he gets within two hundred yards of it in the final week, you're you've got absolute carte blanche to run him out there again. Interesting. By the way, McCaffrey six carries less than Derrick Henry for the league lead as well. So just throwing out his one hundred and sixteen targets uh, just on carries alone, he would be he's like just six behind Henry. Yeah, it's so. an unbelievable usage rate. I I don't know what to say. Like the throw the numbers out the window, the historic numbers about what you're supposed to do with running backs. We talked about DJ Moore as a possible cash game target as well. Let's head on over real quick to Indy. Um, T.Y. Hilton did come back last week. Um, they got completely crushed in that Monday night game by the Saints. I'm not sure I don't know what you learned from it. And they had Marlon Mack there as well. 
Uh, it's a Carolina is a very bad defense. I believe Carolina is worst in the league against the run this season. Thirty yep. second um, in DVOA. Marlon Mack did come back in, but basically split carries with Jordan Wilkins. I don't know if that number alone just tell. Okay, it was a weird game, so I don't really know. Part of that was because Mack was just awful too. I mean, they got dumpstered, and Mack was terrible. So I think it's probably the combination of both of those factors. Do I think that you need to be, you know? Catch the falling knife in Mac, who was hurt for a while and has been terrible since he's been back? Absolutely not. <laughs> right. So this matchup can honestly be as good as it wants for my cash games, and I just don't see a, a viable road to running back out there. Again, though, in that in that avenue of like, you know, kind of like Barkley was last week, sometimes the very perfect matchup does get these huge, formerly huge opportunity guys back on track. So I think it's it's reasonable for a big tournament. Like, maybe you just think that Wilkins only came in because of the blowout or, you know, whatever your opinion is. But, yeah, for cash games, no way, I don't think, right? No, I don't think so either. 6,400 on T.Y. Hilton, who had nine targets last week, is interesting to me mm. on DraftKings. I don't – it's probably – it's a little – it's a bridge a little too far for cash games, I think. But, um, you know, we've seen huge upside out of him. And if he's got a full bill of health, which he does, he played that Monday yeah, night game. No, um, no injury tag at all. Right exactly. Now. So I think that there there is – Pretty big upside on him. Again, I can't really say. I, we talk about Miami as a historically bad defense, and there are a lot of bad defenses this year. Carolina is not totally in the conversation. They're much better against the pass because their uh, cornerback the situation is better. But, again, they're just a bad defense in general. So don't really mm-hmm. want to play the running game. Hilton is interesting to me. Let's roll through. We get into the 4 o'clock games. We get Oakland and the Chargers. The news that came out yesterday uh, with Josh Jacobs, they're going to hold out Josh Jacobs, I believe, definitely this week, and I believe the last two weeks. Uh, of the season Oakland's six and a half point underdogs to the Chargers so it's not really where we want to be with running backs and DeAndre Washington had a pretty good amount of opportunity in the game that got killed by Tennessee uh two weeks ago when Jacobs was out he had 14 carries and seven targets is he just a lock play in cash at the price I, yeah. I, I okay uh, I just want to make sure let's probably get that out of the way um so we're just there's no there's no question is the the 14 and 7 in a game where they lost by 20 is enough to say we can just play him at 4,000. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Raiders know what they have in car in the passing attack right now. Um, you know, honestly, Jacob's absence might affect Darren Waller similarly. You know, we had it pretty close between him and Ertz in our cash games right now. But, yeah, Washington at 56 is just an absolute automatic play. There's no real evidence that he's any worse than Jacob's when he's actually on the field. And you're getting him at two thousand dollars less so yeah you're gonna run him out there yeah Mike. like i said the fact that he's featured in the not featured the fact that he's a player in the passing game is what yeah. is what makes me feel the most about it like if oh, it, yeah you love to see that he had more targets than jalen richard in that game because richard actually gets more of these targets when jacobs is healthy <laughs> like he comes in in those third down situations he's a very good ball catching uh running back but washington was just the guy i, I, th- I think that's how they generally want to stay they want to stay in the flow of the offense they don't want to be running guys in running guys out quite as much as some other teams so yeah i love Washington. all right on the charger side um we do get an oakland defense uh that is not good and we get the chargers who are big home favorites here six and a half uh six and a half half point home favorites melvin gordon seven carries against minnesota um were in a game they were losing but then the previous weeks the Jacksonville game, they were winning by so much, 45-10. to 10, He only carried the ball 12 times, but that was because they just didn't need to do it anymore. And then before that, 20 carries, 14 carries, 22 carries, 20 carries. Do you think there's enough of the plan here is when the things are going okay or this is like sort of where they want to be with Melvin Gordon? Because my, because if, the, if if we feel decent with the opportunity, 5,600 on DraftKings is looking really enticing in this matchup. Yeah, I don't know that I feel too decent with the opportunity. Uh, Eckler is just there and lurking. And for all those touches that Gordon had in all those games, Eckler was still basically right behind him. Um, you know, he had 7-7 seven and seven last week against Minnesota, 8-5 and five in that Jacksonville game, 9-5 and five in the Denver game, 5-12 and 12 in the Kansas City game. So Eckler's just always around, and that can cause a number of, you know, problems. First of all, Eckler's a very good ball-catching receiver. He's also a reasonable goal line option, too. So if he's out there, it's no guarantee that Gordon gets the touchdowns. I get that Gordon's like relatively cheap at this point, but the Chargers, they just smacked me of a team that is out of it, kind of doesn't care, is going to do their thing, and there might not be any rhyme or reason to how they're going about their handiwork. So I, uh, I don't really trust Gordon here. I, I understand it. Like I think if you, if you really believe that, those, um, that the, that opportunity is legit, then you can absolutely run him out there. I just don't know that 
there a super credible case can be made for that? Yeah, this one's close to me. Oh, it's, on, it's on DraftKings, and it has to do with the PPR format part of it, too, because he will catch balls out of the backfield. He had the target share in those weeks. Five three five one four. That's pretty good ball. That's pretty good pass catching opportunity for a running back. And I think that's mostly. Mm-hmm. It's. It, I'm. I'm not interested at all in, on Fanduel. Okay, so I want to be very clear about this. Um, the, the Fanduel price for me at seven thousand is just not like I'd. I'd rather just play Kamara at seventy two hundred. Okay, so like if I'm just using a one to one apples to apples kind of thing. Uh, but on DraftKings at fifty six. I think this will be a guy we talk about. Philip Rivers is a guy kind of creeping around the system too. It's mostly because Oakland's just pretty bad against the pass here. So um, mm-hmm. I've, Rivers is I, Rivers is not really one where I want to be with cash games at all. So I'm not wor- I'm not too worried about that one. But Oakland, you know, for all for all we talked about Miami and Cincinnati being bad defenses, Oakland's 31st in DVOA. This is a terrible defense and worse against the sure. worse against the pass. 31st against the pass, 26. You know, pretty equal opportunity bad, but slightly worse against the pass. So uh, this is where I think we're. Gonna have to talk about some of these Chargers guys, um, you know, Keenan Allen, guys like this as well. Probably there's just too many cooks in this kitchen, and maybe that's where we just end up making the decision. And if I saw Melvin Gordon was like 70% owned on DraftKings this week, I'd feel pretty worried. <laughs> and we didn't have him, I'd feel pretty worried at the price. So I guess like sometimes I try to sum things up by you know thinking about it that way. But I think this will be a game that we do talk about leading in, into lock, maybe a little bit more than some of the others. Dallas, 425. Dallas goes in and plays Philly. I'll keep this game on the main slate. Pretty surprising because they weren't able to flex it into the sun. Into the, I, it was like an NFL thing. They weren't able to flex it into the Sunday night. Dallas two and a half point road favorites in, in what is easily the biggest leverage game of the week for two teams that it's basically winner winner leaves town in terms of the playoffs. I think um, the winner has to leave the town. Sorry, no, the loser has to leave the town. Uh, yeah, okay. this time this uh, I know I was going to try to throw you off there. No, winner, get out of here, winner. They all, all leave the, this town. All the other yeah, all the other losers just kick the winner out of town because they don't like the winner. The uh, Dallas is two and a half point home favorites. We talked about Dak, or excuse me, road favorites. We talked about Dak as a possible cash game play. I don't think we'll probably ultimately get there just with you know guys like Lamar Jackson and then maybe much cheaper options in Dalton. But I I do really like Dak uh, in this matchup, like Zeke too. Is there more that we didn't touch on here um, that, that we didn't cover in the cash game pockets? We did talk about these guys sort of at length. Yeah, I think this is a very viable game from a DFS perspective just because of the stakes of the matchup. So I think you'll see both teams lean into their best players. Uh, Sanders and Ertz on the Eagles end. Maybe even some Greg Ward sprinkled in. Yeah. And then uh, Dak and Zeke. I think it's worth touching on these re- Dallas receivers really quick um, because that game against the Rams uh, was just... Not a great day for the Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper owners of the world. And Gallup, the exact same price as he was last week. What are your thoughts on, and we ran Gallup on FanDuel, what are your thoughts on running Gallup back out there? Or, or is that, knowing that those games are in the cards, you know, that are, that there are possibilities, are we spooked off him now? A little bit. I mean, this is guy that that seen that did <laughs> three scared. of the previous five weeks had seen double-digit targets, 10-6-6, 13-10. I'm scared too. He has the games. He has those big games in him. And look, the Rams game. Like you can only make so many different cases for like, oh, it went bad because of this. The, yeah, I would love to hear the excuses from three of the last four weeks where he had four or fewer catches. Well, the I mean, well the excuses there is that New England is a phenomenal defense. Buffalo is a, mm-hmm. a very good defense, and then and then there was game script. The Rams secondary is decent, and there was massive game script issues. They just didn't. The game was over, like in the third quarter. They just didn't have right. to throw the ball anymore. So, what about the first two quarters, though? <laughs> well, the first two quarters, they uh, yeah. Okay, look, I, I'm not saying he's not a cash game play. Um, okay. That being said, prepare yourselves now for a Michael Gallup um, week after kind of blow up game, so we can all mentally yeah, I, I buy that mentally and emotionally prepare ourselves. I think he's a great. I think I think he's a great GBP option at 5500 yeah. on DraftKings. I. I if you if there's a, if you have double digit targets multiple times in a season, um, you have huge game potential. Yeah. Um, that that's really no doubt about that piece of it. And look, there's just safer targets. Like I, I know these aren't guys aren't in the same price point, but like easily for this for I don't know what's this yeah seven hundred more you'd much rather play AJ Brown. Um, you'd rather take your savings somewhere else. Um, and maybe just you know go all the way up to Julio Jones. I know these are like one to one aren't one to one comparisons, but you'd rather just. Make the, the by the way the existence of Deon, the existence of DeAndre Washington means that you're probably not going to have to live in this price tier too much with wide receivers. Um, the DeAndre Washington thing just is able to loosen up so much more spending around the upper tier guys. But right. like even a guy like DJ Moore at 6600, I'd rather play DJ Moore at 60 in cash yeah, in cash at 6600 than uh, than Gallup. I don't I think 
the opportunity is just basically on lock for for more in a way that it's not um, that it's not for Gallup. So I think that, yeah, that's a great comparison. I think that's probably where it ultimately and Philly signed. They are just really you know they've gotten brutalized with their wide receiver depth this season. Uh, Jeff, they just lost everybody. Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, or um, although you can make the case that Aguilar just was probably a, you know forced their hand in just playing someone better. Like maybe Greg Ward is just better than Aguilar, so whatever. Um, but that means has meant crazy targets for guys like Ertz nine targets for Greg Ward last week even Boston Scott's kind of got himself in the mix he had 13 touches and then Miles Sanders had 25 touches last week Dallas is is not a great matchup but how much exposure do you think we're going to end up having to these Philly guys in cash because our our system's like wants to play Miles Sanders is probably going to want to end up playing Ertz when it's all said and done are you going to feel comfortable running maybe like being overexposed to the Eagles, but having exposure here uh, to Philly in this matchup. I don't, yeah, I like having exposure to Philly, kind of like what I was saying earlier. I think all those guys are perfectly viable. Uh, shout out to friend of the friend of the podcast, Jesse Martin, for winning the DraftKings Live Final a couple of weeks ago. I think he's, I think Jesse has actually listened to this podcast before, I realized. Uh, I think the first time we ran out our football podcast many years ago, uh, I think that he and our friend Justin had listened to it together. So, uh, but yeah, he played Greg Ward. Good enough for him last week, Doug. Good enough for a million, two million dollars. Good enough for me this week. That's what I say. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I don't know him. You do from the old, from the old, from the old poker day. <laughs> I met him once. It was a nice time. Okay. Well, there you go. So, congrats on winning the, the uh, it was the DK live, DK live final or FanDuel live final. Yeah, I think it was DraftKings. Yeah. Oh, got our got our ducks in a row on this on this little segment here. Well, I said DraftKings, and you threw me off by saying. Oh, thing. did you? I didn't hear you say DraftKings. I just heard you say live final. Okay. Final game. Seattle is hosting Arizona. Seattle nine and a half point home favorites. Uh, in a game that is just from a, definitely from a pace perspective lines up really nicely uh, in terms mm-hmm. of uh, guys like Russell Wilson and possibly also Chris Carson. Now, Chris Carson was a really heavy cash game play last week yeah. with no uh, Rashad Penny. Did t- 90%. Yeah, to touch the ball 26 times in 51 of the 67 offensive snaps. Not a guy that we talked about a ton, I don't think, for cash in the, in the cash game podcast yesterday, but I'm wondering your thoughts at 8,200 on Chris Carson and the opportunity. You know, where does he stand? Getting expensive now, but they've shown that their willingness to say, this is our guy, home favorite, nice pace game. Should this be the guy we just are looking at uh, in terms of cash games? Uh, he's the fifth most expensive running back on FanDuel. I really like Carson this week. I think he's a great play. I think the game script should absolutely favor him. He's 800 more than he was last week, so that should pretty have a pretty intense downward effect on his ownership right that's more than a 10 percent increase in one week and we've talked about before for these established guys over the course of a whole season it's more often wrong to raise their price by 800 after one week than it is right to do that so uh you know if you look at his season-long production it's not quite there uh if we believe that the absence of penny really pushes him over the top then i think he's a good play but um yeah, good play. I, I don't. I don't think you have to build your lineup around him the same way you did last week. Would you rather play him or Joe Mixon? Uh, Four hundred dollars difference on Fanduel. Ooh, <laughs> that that is a really tough one. Um, I'd rather play Mixon. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's close though. I, I think it, it's very close, and I could be talked into Carson. Uh, just by looking at it. I mean, our further. projection has Carson as the easy play here <laughs> over Mixon. Um, some of this has to do with the Ve- the Vegas line is really helping Carson here because um, we do factor this piece of it in because it's shown to be you know pretty predictive in in, in an aggregate in uh, terms of opportunity and in terms of opportunity for running backs and that nine and a half point favorite. Well, but that where that falls down for Mixon, just in the interest of fairness, is that the Bengals don't care. <laughs> they don't oh, care what the game script is. That's kind of he'll be out there regardless. I was so. going there next. I was gonna yeah. and we've talked about this in the podcast is to say. This is the, the the Bengals are the team I want to turn that multiplier off <laughs> for because um, right. they have not cared. So this is one where I'm like, well, if Carson's getting this you know, this favorite, I, and we're using because you can't do this fun. You can't do this on a numbers perspective from a big sample. Sorry, from a projection system standpoint, it's very difficult to make each one of these little adjustments um, in a system that just has many, many, many inputs. Of course. Um, and Mixon's the one guy I'm like, well, we got to toggle that thing off because um, and that and if we did toggle it off. Or or just or brought every guy back to 
equal opportunity on just not worried about that piece, these guys would be very close. It's it's that piece that's kind of pushing Carson over the top. Uh, on the receiving side of things, you just can't trust anything. I don't think with the you know Josh Gordon is is out again. He was not like he had, Tyler Lockett was good last week. Yeah, I, yeah, he's one. I'm like. He's always been too expensive for like the opportunity. I feel, and then and then this season, like the, the sort of the production has dropped off. I mean, where do you land on Lockett? Because, um, I real quick. He's yeah, seventy six hundred on Fanduel. Like that's he's more than AJ Brown, right? Like you can't pay him four hundred more for Tyler Lockett than AJ Brown, right? You can't no, pay probably him. not. Especially given that we know that for Seattle, like the ideal game for them means Russell Wilson throws the ball thirty times and or less, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, right. I mean, last week it was 26 times against Carolina. Part of that was because he was hyper-efficient. Um, but, yeah, 31 passing attempts against Minnesota, 25 against Philly in a you know a game where you would have really expected more opportunities. So you just know that sometimes the just the raw passing attempts for this team are going to be really low, and that's not where you want to be for any anyone outside of the very, very premier options at a receiving position. Uh, Kenyon Drake had a lot of opportunity last week, was very good, yeah. but he did a really good peak David Johnson impersonation is basically what he did. <laughs> what he, he did what all the David Johnson owners were hoping David Johnson would just do all season. Um, I hope they all appreciated it from the fantasy playoff <laughs> sidelines. <laughs> 22 carries and nine targets. That's uh, that's crazy usage. He was really, really good. Four touchdowns. Um, 22 carries, only one target. For nine oh, yards. sorry, sorry. Maybe I was actually, you inverted this. Yeah, my bad, my bad. I was looking at the receiving yards for the targets. Okay, so anyway, 22 carries and one target. Uh, played 46 of the 61 snaps. He will get passing. He does get passing down looks, though, here. And that's why I'm wondering, you know, where, where does he land from, like, a floor perspective, knowing they're big underdogs, but they will kind of throw to him. And then any other final thoughts here on Arizona before we get out? You're not going to play Drake um, at this increased price point. You know, he's going to fail in the same way some of these other guys will when you start comparing him to the guys in the same price tier, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. It's, it's a big week fueled by four touchdowns, and he was very good on his yards per attempt, but that, it's not like that's always been the case, right? Like, he has 11 carries for 37 yards against Pittsburgh, 13 for 31 against the Rams the week before. This just looks for all the world like an outlier to me and not that's something I'm going to count on going for. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site dfsr.com for short dfsr.com slash deals gets you started on our projection system that we've been talking about this whole podcast powered by our good friends over at lineup lab optimal lineups FanDuel, DraftKings, nfl nba nhl it's all covered under one subscription package uh, we don't section it off by you know who wrote the article or whose projection system it is or you know what sport it is like some of these other sites kind of want to get you into all these little different tiers of, of uh of membership we don't do that if we have it up on the site you can have it as part of the subscription. So just go check that out, dfsr.com slash deals. We'll get you started. Buddy, enjoy your week 16 in the NFL. Oh, I will.